Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the One Shot Movement Podcast where this podcast is all about inspiration, education, diving deep into the journey of successful entrepreneurs to pull out wisdom to help you grow as a leader and fulfill your dreams, passion and purpose. Today I am super excited to be interviewing Miss Nkandu Belts who lives in Perth but is from Zambia. This story is a powerful story. Kandu's a philanthropist, an author, a speaker, a journalist. She's interviewed the Dalai Lama, Ravi Shastri, many incredible inspiring leaders from all around the world. But one of the most amazing things she's doing at the moment is building an emerald mine in the mining industry in Zambia. Hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, live life with passion and purpose. You get one shot at life. Go out there and give it your best shot. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the One Shot Movement podcast where we interview inspiring leaders, change makers, people that have got amazing stories. And today I'm super excited to be interviewing a good friend of mine, someone that I met probably probably the best part of eight years ago now. Her name's Candu Belts. And this lady here is an inspiration internationally. She's an author, a speaker, a journalist, a businesswoman, a philanthropist. She's, uh, look, I mean, I could go on and on and on. And one of the things we will be talking about, her mining project in Zambia and what she's doing to give back to her love and her community. And another powerful part of this interview, we'll be talking about her relationship with the Dalai Lama. So, Kandu, I'd love to introduce you to the audience, and I'd like you to fill in the gaps and tell a bit more about your story and where you've come from and where you are today. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. This is really exciting, and uh, congratulations for you know creating this wonderful platform where we can share our stories and inspire and also be inspired. We have indeed come a very long way and and watching you grow and transform has just been really, really magical. So congratulations once again. Thank you. So, So yeah, look, I'd love to um, go back to, you know, where it all began for you and your first entrepreneurial thoughts. Um, It could be childhood or, yeah, I'd love you to just share with your, a bit more of your story to, really give people an understanding of you know, what it takes to have success and the journey involved to have success. Yes. Um, so my story, so I was born in Zambia in Southern Africa. And I always say this, that, you know, Zambia is the most peaceful country in Africa, never been at war. It's just beautiful. But um, growing up in Zambia, my father, my grandfather, you know, almost everyone in the, in the community is involved in some sort of farming. And uh, as you may know, it is a third world country. So um, poverty is also just around you. It's something that, you know, you can't escape. And we were very fortunate or still are fortunate that, you know, some of our family members um, from early on, they had some sort of education. So, and that helped to get them out of poverty. So for example, my grandfather was the commissioner for community development. So he was educated, went to London, lived there, 
uh, did some work there and then came back home and working with the government and trying to improve the conditions in his town. But one of the very first lessons I learned uh, living with my grandfather on the farm, and he was still working with the government, was the spirit of Ubuntu. So Ubuntu is an African philosophy that describes the oneness of humanity. And the direct translation of Ubuntu is, I am because we are. And examples of Ubuntu were things like, you know, during harvest, we would package up, you know, small parcels of food and deliver them to certain households. And at a very young age, I didn't have an understanding of why we had to give gifts of food. And uh, my grandfather often used to say, food is never too little not to share. Even a slice of bread you can share with many people. And then I would ask him why, and he would say, it is Ubuntu. You know, so it's about doing good, recognizing other people's, you know, humanity, the humanity in us. So that was sort of like my first lesson about, you know, my responsibilities around my community that I always had to look out and look around me as to what service can I produce to my community? How can I be of service to my community? Yeah, so that's where the journey began. So by the time I was 10 years age, 10 years of age, I was an advocate advocating for girl child rights, um, you know, because, you know, child marriages and uh, gender inequality is still prevalent in most African countries. So I was lucky that I came from a family where my dad is the biggest feminist, you know, and he just would be like, I don't care whether you're a girl or boy, you can do what others can do. You know, so there was no special preferences of where, you know, the girls would be like washing dishes and the boys would be doing gardening outside. Everybody had to do equal amounts of work. So, and that's what also motivated me to um, go out there and, you know, try to make a difference because I saw that the people that I was surrounded by, the people that I grew up with, you know, whether they were male or female, they were doing their level best to give back and make our society a better place. Yeah, look, I mean, that's, that's really important. And I guess gratitude is one of the things that, um, that I've always really lived by. And I often tell the story of um, I, when I started my first business, age 21, I was, um, I sponsored uh, a basketball team and um, long story short, the lady that took the sponsorship and cashed it in, she was a player of a wife. She gave me eight basketball tickets. I gave those eight basketball tickets to a young family that I'd never met before that just joined the gym. And um, for the last 20 years, he's been my mentor. Now I gave them to him with nothing expected in return and it just so be it that he was a highly successful business person and the gratitude that i showed there he said to me that was an amazing experience um, for our family we're really grateful i'd like to invite invite you to our corporate box at the football next weekend and he's taught me everything about property business invest in and we we speak you know 
all the time about anything I need to speak about, about business. So, uh, you know, gratitude, you know, I, I see that beaming out of you and, and one of the high level values, especially when you're doing philanthropy. So do you want to talk a little bit more about giving back in your community and what that means to you? Yes, 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 yes. So I have, um, I have a foundation and, and like you're saying, you know, that, um, coming from a place of gratitude, you know, I, I feel like I'm just so blessed and so lucky that, you know, I'm able to do something for other people without having to expect anything in return. And initially when I started this, um, so Teddy is the one that started the foundation, a cry for an, uh, a cry for an orphan um, home. And uh, yeah, we couldn't come up with a better name, but anyway, we suggested, you know, that was in, initially it was just for orphans, but now we are also getting women and, and, and children and, and, you know, some men are also joining in the program. And uh, the last two years, the foundation has grown, you know, um, exponentially to that we have now 15,000 women, children and babies in the foundation. Um, we're being recognized by the Zambian government. They've come to our aid um, last year. No, actually this year, the president of Zambia, through his initiatives, he donated some sewing machines to our women. Because one of the things that we are now doing is we are training these women in the foundation some sort of business skills so that, um, you know, we're not reliant on grants because grants are dying out very fast. So how can we teach them to become self-reliant? So we teach them skills like tailoring. And then we were lucky that the president of Zambia's, uh, Edgar Lungu, through his initiative, donated some sewing machines to us. And then these sewing machines went to the women and now they're able to you know, make clothes, uniforms, and go and sell them and feed their families. We're also teaching um, entrepreneurship skills where one of the boys just recently came back from China and uh, he's bought a pair of, you know, these beautiful sneakers and he started a sneaker shop, you know. Um, yeah, so others, they want to do clothing. Others, they want to do hospitality. We have uh, some, you know, people who's worked in the hospitality industry that are coming in and they're teaching the skills. So that is the best way that we can do that. You know, we've created this platform where women are, uh, are there and uh, they're coming in and they're being taught and they graduate and then, we also help them start their businesses. And then for the students, because we also have a lot of children uh, between, you know, grade one to grade 12, that can't get into, you know, can't go to school because they, they can't afford to get into school. Um, in some instances, uh, primary school would be free, but secondary school would have to pay for them. So we have enrolled uh, a lot of kids in schools. Um, and then we have about 400 infant babies, which is our biggest challenge wow. because these are orphan babies and they're about zero to six months of age. So they, what we do is we put them in homes, you know, instead, because we don't have an actual orphanage. So it's sort of like a foster care sort of system where we support the families that are supporting these babies. So, um, yeah, and, and, and just to be able to do that, it's just wonderful. I'll share with you a story recently. Um, I was just in Zambia a few days ago, and uh, I just came back a few days ago. And we have this little boy. Um, his mother was never part of our foundation. So his name is Fabian. Fabian is 12 years old. He's got uh, severe uh, cerebral palsy. 
And because of lack of education, people don't understand the condition. So others think it's contagious, others think it's witchcraft. So the mother became somehow an outcast. And uh, because our health system is not yet perfect uh, in Zambia, um, it's been very hard for him to access proper medical health. So Teddy brought this lady to me and to my attention and said, oh, there's Fabian's mother and this is Fabian. And I held the boy in my arms in May and he weighed, I think, about five kilos. Wow. And this was a 12-year-old boy, you know, with severe, severe cerebral palsy. And, um, and I said to, to, to the mother, are you seeking any help? And there was nothing. So I said to Fabian that, you know, to, to Teddy that we need to have Fabian's mother as part of our system. We need to train her so that, you know, she can start a business and she'll be able to buy medicine for her, for her child, as well as, you know, uh, get a, a step in life. So, which was fine. The plan was working accordingly. We started raising money and the way we raise money is just from friends and families. And uh, we started raising money. And then when we felt we had enough money by December, um, I said that oh, we have enough money now, we can donate the money for her to, you know, um, only to understand that uh, Fabian's grandmother, the, the mother who was the mother to Fabian's, you know, mother had passed away. Mm. So that means that this single mother is now alone with a severely disabled kid. And now the challenge was how is she going to run this business? So that's when Teddy suggested that we do the public act of giving the money during the graduation ceremony, which I was very against that, you know. So I said, no, if you're gonna give somebody something, do it quietly. So he, he, he argued with me and he said, no mom, let's do it in public so that, you know, she can share her story. So I said, okay, fine, I obliged. So we had about uh, 300 people in the hall and during the graduation, we gave some certificates to the women that uh, had graduated. And then uh, Fabian's mother came in with Fabian. I got him. He can't talk, but somehow we do communicate. The kid is just a ball of love. And um, I gave the donation. And then the Masters of Ceremony says, uh, if there's anyone who's willing to help, even just babysit, or help with the washing or help with this and that or even a dollar please come forward and i was just in tears because there were so many people that came forward that were giving donations giving numbers you know and now as a result of that the kid even got a wheelchair mm. you know so more people came to her aid and uh, and it was just like that Ubuntu, you know, like you just see yeah. that spirit of Ubuntu being at play. And I was just so full of gratitude. I had tears of gratitude because, you know, you just go like, wow, people are actually nice. People are kind. Yeah. And look, it's a really powerful part of the conversation here because actually one of my chapters in the book uh, that I'm launching next year, which is in align with this uh, podcast series to really inspire people to get one shot at life, go out there and give it your best shot. And it's all about perspective. And um, in, in the Western world, you know, some people, you know, get so frustrated with a busy traffic, you know, why not think about, gee, I'm great. I should be grateful that I've actually got a car and I've got money to put petrol in it, you know, and, I, I've been fortunate enough through 
um, Genas Global, who I've been partnered with for the last uh, nine years. I've travelled to 120 different cities around the world. I've been to um, Zambia and Botswana and South Africa many times. But I've yes. also been into India and I've played in a charity basketball game in the Philippines. And sometimes the smallest gesture brings the biggest smiles to people's faces. And mm. I've, I've certainly witnessed what you're just talking about. And it's such a powerful thing. And for me, um, when my wife and I went to Ethan, we, the, the, uh, the screensaver on my phone is still his feet. And every yeah. time I have a challenge or a bad day, I, I literally just say, I look at his feet and say, you know what? It wasn't a bad day. It was a challenge. Yeah. And that, that's really the motivator and the driver behind this movement in a way is, you know, put things into perspective, you know, you're on planet earth, you're breathing, <laughs> um, you know, what are you waiting for? Don't end up in the rocking chair um, with regrets, mm-hmm. you know, live life of passion and purpose, which is what you're doing. So I want to sort of change gears a little bit now to um, you're a journalist, you're an author, you're a, a professional speaker, you've interviewed the Dalai Lama. Do you want to just touch on that uh, part yeah. of your life? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I'll just take you back a little bit if, if you don't mind, you know, um, you know, your story with uh, Ethan. I remember that wasn't so long ago and um you sharing that with your family and, and everybody, I think it was, you were vulnerable, but then also the amount of people that you helped mm. was just incredible because I had a call from a friend of mine in Melbourne. Um, and she said, Oh, I, I saw this on, 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 on Greg's page, you know, thank you. You know, so you, you did help a lot of people out there you know just through by sharing your story so thank you for that no worries yeah look it is it really really is important to you know come from a place of vulnerability sometimes because some people are going through your situations but they might not be at the level of growth that you're at and they really struggle to deal with it so you know it's uh it was nearly a hidden community in a way like it wasn't uh, I've, at, at the time, it was like I was the only person in the world that had ever been through that. And then people would approach you and say, look, you know, this happened to us. And yeah. So, yeah. Look, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, something that I want to raise awareness for, that's for sure. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, yes. So um, going to the journalism, um, you know, with the idea that I wanted to help people, and uh, growing up, I was told, you know, that uh, the most powerful thing you can do is to use your words. Mm. You know, words are powerful and you can use them. So, and I thought the best way for me to help people is by sharing their stories. Yeah. So that's what got me into journalism in the first place. So, um, and uh, when I told my father I was going to be a journalist, I could actually speak not a single word of English. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm doing well so far. And, uh, and dad said to me, if you want to learn how to, to, to read news and, and, and share stories, you need to improve your English. So um, that became my sole mission. And then I was involved in writing the newsletter at school. I was doing public speaking at school. And um, yeah, so I went on, uh, worked for the Gummy Times, so I've worked in radio, print, and, uh, and television. 
um, mainly as a freelancer because I think, you know, there are some people that make good employees and then there are just some of us who are just unemployable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I worked as, uh, as, as, as my own boss for um, a very, very long time until I thought, oh, I've reached the peak. Now I've interviewed the Dalai Lama. I can retire in journalism. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but um, through my journalistic career, uh, I have met great people and interviewed great people. But then I've also met dangerous people and interviewed dangerous people. So I can say that um, the level of support and challenge is uh, very equally balanced. Mm. You know, so I can now see both sides of um, of the coin, but I am glad that I actually did, uh, yeah, did journalism. Wow! And yeah. um, if you, you you mentioned you've interviewed the Dalai Lama, who who are other uh, you know two or three other people that you interviewed along the way that had had either a good story or they were you know president or some someone that's yeah like someone that really um, touched your heart. Well, so um, the Dalai Lama one, of course, um, because sitting down with him and him holding my hand, and we, we still joke about it, um, we were having, because uh, it was not a conversation or an interview that was scripted. It was just having in conversation with, you know, so whatever came out, came out. And uh, from there, then we'll just, you know, the, the story would just let it flow um, naturally. So... It was fantastic. So from women's rights to, you know, funny things, and he's got a great sense of humor, um, to, you know, the current situation in politics and, of course, you know, Tibet and, and, and everything else. But uh, another person that I've had great conversations with is the late uh, Tony Buzan. He died this year. And uh, Tony Buzan is the inventor of mind maps. Everybody uses mind maps. Yeah. You know, uh I've read his book or his, I've listened to his audio book. I think it's something like uh, Moonwalking with Einstein or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes, um. yes, yes. So um, Tony, Tony and I uh, also get, got along very, very well. And uh, one of the lessons was that I learned uh, through his conversations is that we are actually underutilizing our brains. We are not using our brain enough. We're not exercising our brains. And um, yeah, there's more that we could achieve. So even looking at the people that he's coached, you know, from Michael Jackson to a lot of other uh, celebrities to help them get to their, you know, fullest or to the peak uh, of, of their careers, uh, that was quite uh, admirable that, you know, if we can just stretch our minds just a little bit, you know, and then stretch our resistance also just a little bit, we could achieve, you know, a bit more. We could do so much, not only for ourselves, but also for humanity in general. So yeah. that was one. So that was Tony. And then um, it's a very hard one because I've got um, the cricket legend himself, you know, Ravi Shastri. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Ravi, Ravi Shastri, because um, I'm not a big cricket fan, but after so many conversations with Ravi, who has now become a very good friend of mine, um, I look at how he's managed to coach his cricket team and the principles that he's using and how those principles can be applied to business and how he inspires his team, you know, 
to, to get to where they need to be. So yeah, no, there's just like so many examples. I'm very just lucky to be able to, you know, draw inspirations and lessons, you know, from these guys. Yeah. And what, one person that you, um, uh, clearly close to or a fan of or work with, um, Dr. Martini. Um, oh yes. Yes. So do you want to share a bit about your relationship or working <laughs> relationship with him? My working relationship with Dr. John Martini. Dr. John Martini is a human behavior um, specialist and, uh, I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, I can be able to call him and bounce off ideas and then also um, learn from him because he's been on this journey and he's done so much through um, his life and uh, still doing quite a lot. So if anybody has not read his books, I would highly recommend, you know, that, you know, read at least one of his books, mm. you know, The Values Factor, which is uh, one of the best books and uh, I, According to me, I, I love it. I read it so many times. Um, so with John, um, how he's been able to help me is one is to organize my thoughts and my thought processes. And then two, have a clear vision and also having a clear master plan of where I want to go. So, you know, in life, as you go and you grow, there will be a lot of things that will be coming your way that will look like opportunities, but some of them can actually be distractions. So how do you stay clear on your path every day in the morning and uh, not only looking at your career side of things, but then also balancing the, side, the family side of things and your financial side of things and your social life, you know, um, your mental life, uh, you know, and, and your physical life. So, and, and also just what you eat, what you're putting in your, in your mind, you know, in your, in your, in your body, because what we eat affects how we think. So all those lessons I've been able to be lucky to, to learn from um, Dr. Dimartini. And of course, occasionally we, we, we laugh and, uh, and, and just, you know, sit and be and sometimes just look at the, the sunset and just be grateful that we are here and we are able to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, last time we caught up, we caught up for lunch maybe 12 to 18 months ago and we were talking about, you know, what we're both doing. So just, you know, catching up and sharing our stories and journey and supporting each other. And you captured my attention when you've moved into mining in Africa or Zambia. Do you want to just yes. elaborate a little bit on that and why and how? And yeah, it's a really fascinating story. So um, sh please share. Um, I said that, you know, John kind of like pushed me onto this journey. No, he didn't push me. I just, <laughs> I was doing a breakthrough. So John Martini has got this um, breakthrough experience. It's a program, you know, where you sort of like um, have a little bit of a glimpse of your fullest potential, a glimpse into your soul and what you could do. And uh, it was at the time where I was feeling I wasn't succeeding fast enough. You know, I would be reading about, you know, I opened up Marie Claire and there was a beautiful article about Marie Claire on me. And then I looked at the newspaper headlines. So, but there was still this sense of um, emptiness. Mm. So when I went to that breakthrough experience, because I wanted to know exactly where is, you know, the cosmic, where is this energy trying to, you know, 
put me where am I supposed to be going? And um, so, yeah, so we sat, I sat in there and uh, going through the breakthrough experience. Um, he asked me what I wanted to do with my life and uh, yeah, where the blockages were. And uh, halfway through that, I was talking to my father on the phone and I said, um, and he said to me, what do you really want to do with your life? I said, I want to help people. And he said, if you want to help people, go create employment opportunities. So I went back into the breakthrough and uh, started working around it and then started looking at what is it that I have that you know, I can give to other people or what is it that I can easily access and I realized that, you know, it was land. Zambia has got a lot of land, which has been, hasn't been explored at all. When we're talking about mineral exploration, Zambia is so underexplored as well as Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, um, we host some of the, I think about 20% of the world's deposits are probably around Zambia or that part of Africa. Mm. So, and, uh, and I thought, yeah, I could do this. So that's when um, John said, well, let's Demartini, um, yeah, Gina Reinhardt. So then that's when we started through the process of, uh, of, of Gina Reinhardt. And uh, yeah, so I made a couple of phone calls. I uh, called the president of Zimbabwe and uh, asked if there was opportunities there. Um, I called uh, the ministers in Zambia and uh, because of the journalistic uh, relationships that you know, I've, I've, I've had, it's very easy for me to pick up the phone and call anyone. Mm. So that's how I uh, yeah, picked up the phone and then got onto the plane and uh, started learning about you know, what the processes are. I didn't know anything about mining other than you know, having talked to people in the mining industry and uh, buying end products like you know, gold earrings and stuff. Um, but the more I learned about the processes, the more I found that you know, even the ministry themselves here in Australia and also in Zambia, they are actually willing to help, you know. So they'll tell you, this is the process. These are the amounts of money that you pay and this is what you need to do next. And this is the sort of team that you need to put in place. So I've been very fortunate that I've been able to work with um, Demartini as my coach, as well as my mentor uh, on this journey. But then again, to work with the Zambian government, as well as you know, the Australia African Minerals and Energy Group, as well as Osmine. So all these you know, different people have been able to take me under their wings and said, okay, we will help you, we will teach you. But you also have to be willing to learn and you have to be able to, you know, you have to be coachable. Yeah, and I mean, we had it, you were very, I think quite new into that project. Aidan, you were telling me about the challenges and you hadn't done that before and described a couple of the challenges that you first faced. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a very big project and undertaking, but how many people have you been able to help create opportunities for through your mining over to date? So we have just clocked uh, two years yesterday as, as a mining company. And um, we have 18 people that are directly employed by us. Mm. And then there's also lots more indirectly because what happens is when we do like, for example, soil samples, um, we take them to the lab. The lab has also employed a team there that is working on those, you know, 
samples and then they have to do the you know essaying and you know the other analysis the report comes back so when you look at um one person employed directly to us has got probably 18 other people that you know will have to work with in order to get that job finished so yeah so we can do you know 18 times 18 but mm. the idea is to get at least to 75,000 people by 2035 Wow. So, uh, some of the things that, you know, uh, recently when I was in the bush and, um, because we don't have a camp on our site because we're very new, we still, we still a greenfield. Um, we are staying at a nearby lodge and, uh, this lodge after 20 days of staying there, the manager, uh, called me aside, uh, the lady. So she actually owns the lodge and she said, I can do, can you come here? So I went and she said, you see this new wing, all these blocks here, and you see all this roofing? I said, yes. Said, we've been able to expand this lodge and put in new roofs and uh, we've towed it and we've put water and electricity as a result of you guys staying here. Oh. So thank you. That's amazing. And just... Um typically at the end of each episode, I always like to just ask a few, you know, just quick questions to, uh, that, to each person that we interview. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or anything that, that you, you know, you go to for inspiration or multiple it could be? Well, my favorite book, um, I'm a bit biased. It's uh, John DiMartini, The Values System. I love the value system by Dr. John DiMartini because um, every time I read it, I feel like I've missed something. But then when I go back, I, find, I always pick something new. And uh, it just realigns or aligns my values back again as to why am I doing what I'm doing? Because, you know, sometimes we face a lot of challenges. And not sometimes, all the time, you know, we face challenges. And uh, for me, the hardest was, one, learning how to manage my team and then also learning how to manage money. And we lost a lot of money in the first you know, 18 months uh, of, of, of the business. And uh, when I complained about it, I went back to, 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 to reading the values and then also uh, reading Tony Buzan's you know, uh, Use Your Mind. Mm. And uh, yeah, so, and I learned that it's not the level of the challenge, but it's the level of your resistance. You know, how much resistance are you building? So now looking back, I look, oh, those challenges were actually not that bad because now I'm at a different game level. So every level that you go, you will have bigger challenges, you know, compared to um, what you currently are. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, what you currently facing now. So, yeah, I think it's all about pushing yourself and striving to be the best that you can, never comparing yourself to anyone and just read. I love reading. I've got so many books here. So yeah. just, <laughs> just read. Yeah. Uh, and what about, do you have a favorite quote that, uh, that in, has inspired you along the journey? Um, yes, yes, I do have uh, my favorite quote. Um, it's, uh, it's, I've got actually two. One is from Mother Teresa. And it says, uh, it's not how much you do, but how much love you put in the actions that you do. Mm. Yeah. And then um, the other one is, oh, this one is a, is a, is a Bimba one, but then I'll share the, 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 the Greek one. 
that says uh, what you leave behind is not what is woven in stone monuments, but what is what we leave behind is not what is engraved on stone monuments, but what is woven in the hearts of others. So basically, so this is Pericles, a Greek, ancient Greek philosopher. So basically what he's saying is, you know, what we leave behind is the words that, you know, you and I have, you know, and how I actually make you feel and how, you know, you make me feel. So at the end of the day, after this interaction, my question was, how is he feeling after he walks away from this conversation? Is he inspired? Have I wounded him? Is he going to do something great? Is he going to, you know, what would be the ripple effect of my words? Mm. Yeah, because I want them to be wonderful so that we can continue to do great things. Yeah. And that's, that is one of the powerful things that you can do when you become a speaker and a journalist. You can you know, what you do can reach so many people. Um, so you just, like you said to me, one of your friends, uh, you shared about our situation, but and that might have an impact on their life, but that's through sharing words. Um, I remember interviewing a friend of ours, we both common friend, uh, Peter Lakovic, and he yeah. was, he, he, he put a really interesting point together and he said, you, uh, I could give you a movie script and you can read out the words and the movie's a complete flop. Or I could give that same movie script to Meryl Streep and it's a box office hit, hit, you know, so it's, it is, it's a really good way to look at it. And sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it to people as well that can really drive in. Exactly. Exactly. And what would you say if you had to go back through your journey, is there a bit of advice that you would just say that has been the best bit of advice I've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. Hmm. So there was a, a time um, that I was having uh, massive challenges. That was actually in May this year. And I thought I was going to lose my business. Uh, I'd lost a lot of money. And uh, I, was, I, I lost uh, almost all of my, my mining leases, um, licenses, uh, because of uh, the issues, the internal issues that, you know, I somehow um, ignored. You know, when they say, um, when you see red flags, act on them immediately. But I thought it could not be that bad. So... Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you trust people on face value. So that costs me a lot of money. And, uh, and it also cost us almost the whole company to the extent that I was at the Radisson Hotel, you know, the Radisson in Lusaka. Lusaka. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there, I was crying my eyes out because I had no idea how I was going to pick myself up, pick the company up, and then go back to my family and my investors to say, we have lost this so I called my husband and he said, oh, honey, I've got lots of patients right now. I can't talk. Typical doctor. <laughs> and then I called uh, one of my friends and, uh, and he said, uh, what is the hidden blessing in all this? You know who? And then I said, I can't find one right now. And he goes, you know what? Get up, take a shower, put on your red heels. You the African queen, you know what to do. Yeah. So Andarias, okay, I'm the African queen. I know what to do. So basically I had to start all over again. So it's about trusting your intuition. So that is what that, you know, 
it, yeah. it's it's not it's not a it's 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 not an advice but you know it was just like you know what to do and at that moment when i wanted dr dimartini i wanted my husband i wanted somebody to tell me what to do and john says you know what to do so yeah. i had to go back to find it what it is that i need to do so i think he trusted me with my own intuition which i think i didn't at that stage and i knew i had to start all over again and this time i started i was fierce about it i was fabulous about it and i was not taking any any nonsense so i had to make sure that i had proper systems in place wow so and and just like while we are talking about that type of challenge where you can lose everything and just go completely to oblivion to rebound for that um which is a little bit along the lines of what we're trying to do here you know some people are trying to first go in entrepreneurship and a failure means that that's the end but for someone like yourself that's been on a incredible journey had incredible mentors had a read book after book after book i think we'll, i might wrap up our interview with you talking about how important has your personal growth been because i did put that in um the one shop movement facebook group uh, the yeah. other day which was some people uh make mountains out of molehills you know mm -hmm. that's, um but for someone like yourself you you know that challenge would destroy people for you it was like okay i'm gonna bounce back and bigger and better and i'm just going to use my intuition and my gut and, and roll with it yeah we have to we have to i mean what else can you do i mean like you fail so what you get up you know i was uh, yesterday i was uh, talking to, to 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 my daughter and you we were saying there is nothing extraordinary about falling but there's something extraordinary about getting up and how you get up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually the last sentence in my book here, it's printed out is actually, um, uh, I might not have it here, but it's actually, um, around, you know what to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a bit like, okay. You know what to do. Go and do it. Exactly. Um, so where do we find out more from Candu? What's uh, the 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 go-to places? So social so you, media, website, media. Yeah. So so I'm I'm an oversharer. So a lot of my stuff is on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, mm. That's where I share a lot of the journey, especially about the mining and the foundation. Um, I've been told a lot of times that you know you share too much, but what i'm doing i don't want it to be a secret you know there might be somebody out there also wanting to break through into the mining industry or mm. studying um a foundation and that's why i share so much so that you know other people can also be learning and seeing as i'm going mm. you know that they too can also yeah create something because the more people are out there creating businesses the more people we actually help, the more problems we solve. Yeah. So yeah, so social media, uh, the websites, I need to update both because they're so outdated. Mm -hmm. So I'll work on that this week. Yeah, but uh, Facebook and Instagram. So just my name and Candu Belts. It's, we'll put it's that in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you so much. 
Look, just uh, in wrapping up, this has been a super powerful interview. Uh, someone that's worn so many different hats, so many different experiences, making a true difference, operating from a complete heart space um, and, you know, genuinely out there trying to change, change the world in many ways. You know, you start somewhere to be able to do that. So on that note, we would like to thank Can Do Belts for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to, um, to see, you know, the whole complete season and, uh, and listen and, uh, and be inspired and hopefully we can inspire more people. And good luck to all the listeners out there. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns, or please feel free to contact me. No worries. So thanks, uh, Kandu. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode talking to Kandu. It was a highly interesting episode. Kandu's worked across many industries. To be a journalist and, and interview some of the most inspiring people in the world is an incredible feat in its own right. If you like today's episode, make sure you go onto the usual places, iTunes, etc. Give us a rating. Give us some feedback. We're all about helping you raise and elevate your skills to amplify your results we want you to live with passion and purpose you get one shot at life go out there and give it your best shot my name's craig schultz and we'll see you next week with the next episode